This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Now, I have a new microphone, so if I sound better, that's why. My old mic would have been, from what I'm guessing, I'm not even sure when I bought it. Um, I used to make goofy songs when I performed in New York, around New York. And I used the microphone for that because I would do backup vocals and all kinds of silliness. I think the microphone would be in the fifth grade if it was a human being. So that's how old that microphone was. And it really needed to be replaced because it was so live. And it didn't matter how much I adjusted it. Like it was so live that I was blowing it out constantly. And so it was difficult. It was difficult to work with. And because of the way it was set up, like if I tapped my desk at all, you'd hear this tap, 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 tap. So I didn't get like top of the line Cadillac of microphones, but I got a mid-level microphone because I think that's appropriate for the size of the project I have in the budget. And this was 100% possible from my Patreons. Um, You are the reason why I have a better mic and why I sound better right now. So thank you so much. And as I told my Patreons, or patrons, whatever, they are going to get the bonus silliness. I'm going to do an audio play of sorts called A Carrie Lake Christmas, in which I imitate all my favorite Fox News uh, personalities and everyone's favorite, Carrie Lake. Now, they're going to get it a little bit earlier than the rest of you. The rest of you, it'll go on my Substack. Okay. Ah, okay. So, what am? Why am I not doing my weekly podcast? Oh, because I'm doing the January sixth, day ten, day ten, final installment. <laughs> this is what happened to me. Okay, so I assumed it was just going to be an announcement, like an idiot. I assumed this. Why did I think that? Because those, mm, they kept moving that thing. The, the January 6th committee were like, you know what, we're going to do it Thursday. And then they'd be like, nope, we're going to do it Friday. And then they're like, nope, we're going to do it Monday. They kept moving it around. They kept canceling it. It was driving me crazy. So why on earth did I think it would just be an announcement? I'm an idiot. So what happened today is I thought this was going to be the beginning, the start of my Christmas vacation, sort of. And then I would do the podcast and then not co- not capture anything not have to analyze anything and just move forward. And I'm prepared for that. And my phone goes January 6th committee. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And I leap into action and immediately capture PBS and Fox at the same time. Now, I will have the weekly regular podcast. I'm going to drop that tomorrow. I couldn't do two at the same time. And I certainly couldn't combine them because that would have melted my brain. Because I really wanted to dedicate time to this because I love covering the January 6th committee hearings. This one was technically a meeting. Super exciting. So let's just get into it. Here we go. Fox News, how the network spun the final chapter of the January 6th committee. 
Fox News decided that a congressional committee voting to issue criminal referrals to the Department of Justice against former President Donald J. Trump was really no big deal. Both legal analysts and Fox News anchors predicted that the Department of Justice would ignore this brazen Democrat political theater. Fox hosts called the final meeting theatrical, partisan, repetitive, and legally dubious. No one at the network acknowledged that nearly all of the witnesses who testified during the proceedings were Republicans, some even once loyal supporters of the former president. The network downplayed the severity of the riot and Trump's role in inciting and encouraging violence. There was a slight pivot as the word disturbing was used exactly once to describe the riot during the 36 minutes of commentary. So the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, day 10, supposedly supposedly the final day. It kind of has to be because we get a new Congress on January 3rd. And I don't know how they would fit this in, but I don't trust them. (laughs) They have messed with me so many times. Because if you live and die by this stuff, when they're like, it's going to be tomorrow at 1, I'm telling you, you move everything, you move mountains to have all of your computers and everything ready for tomorrow at one, and then when they move it, I'm telling you, oh, and they did that a few times. Okay, I'm I'm not going to tangent anymore. Here we go. (laughs) I'm a little delirious, though. I'm a little delirious right now. Here we go. So the first section I have is Fox News references included as evidence, day 10. Representative Elaine Loria of Virginia quoted Fox News as part of the evidence against former President Donald J. Trump. And here's the clip. And for several hours that followed, people at the Capitol, people inside President Trump's administration, elected officials of both parties, members of President Trump's own family, and even Fox News commentators who were sympathetic to President Trump all tried to contact the White House to urge him to do one singular thing. The one thing that all of these people immediately understood was required. Instruct his supporters to leave the Capitol. The president... So I found that interesting because Fox News was included with like the inner circle with Donald J. Trump, which is very telling. And right now, I think that relationship has soured a bit. Um, Although you couldn't really... I mean, you could kind of tell tonight in the commentary, but not completely. They're not... They're not... Unlike... Murdoch with the New York Post saying Florida man decides he's going to run for president on page 26. Wasn't quite that bad, but it wasn't as gushing as it has been in the past. So for the commentary, the total hearing without commentary was an hour and nine minutes. There was seven minutes on Fox News before it started and a whopping, and this kind of shocked me, 29 minutes after Fox had ended, you know, the the comment, the actual meeting was over. Fox personalities talked about this for 29 minutes, which was much longer than PBS. I was kind of shocked by that. They were getting into it. So the Fox News panel was the usual. Sandra Smith of Fox News, John Roberts of Fox News, Martha McCallum of Fox News, Jonathan Turley, the Fox News legal analyst, Andy McCarthy, Fox News legal analyst and former... Um, federal prosecutor, Chad Pergam, senior congressional correspondent for Fox News. 
Um, now, you're going to hear a lot of Andy McCarthy and Jonathan Turley in the clips today. So Fox News surprisingly focused more airtime to talking about today's hearing than they have in previous installments. I was a little shocked by that 29 minutes because that's very unlike them. Jonathan Turley, a Fox News legal analyst, had a very surprising take on the attempted insurrection at our nation's Capitol building. Now, this is the clip that went viral today, which shocked me. I thought it was funny, but I, I was a little taken aback at how popular this was. It was like instant um, and it wasn't even like sometimes I get a big account that retweets me and that's why it goes viral. This just spontaneously went viral. I, I checked the retweets and there's no like big account that retweeted it. It was just it would just went viral. So here you go. And I think that that's a shame because there is material that has come out of this committee that's deeply disturbing. Um, you know, this is not uh, the proprietary ownership of the Democratic Party. That riot on January 6th was a desecration of our constitutional process. And yet it's been weaponized to some extent by this committee, which did not pursue other issues in these public sessions. Okay, how insane is that? What he's doing is he's saying that the Democrats have weaponized the riot against Republicans. Weaponized the riot that Republicans uh, took part in, led by a Republican president, defended by Republicans. Somehow Democrats have weaponized this riot. And then he's mad also that they didn't pursue other things. I don't know, Turley, what's the name of the committee? It is pretty specific. Let me read it again to you, Jonathan Turley. It's the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the U.S. Capitol. Not, and everything, and, and Hunter Biden, you know, and, you know, um, What's another dumb thing? Oh, the origin of COVID, as if they can figure that out, you know, just by talking, just hanging out, hanging out, just a bunch of non-scientists figuring that out. But anyway, hey, why not? I just, that was crazy. That was crazy. It was twisting it that, you know, poor Republicans, you're weaponizing the violent mob that, you know, smashed in windows and threatened to kill the vice president. How dare you? That's like, such amazing spin, the constant victimization, just that was almost spectacular. I mean, you almost sit back and go, how did you manage that? I don't even know how your brain was like, you know what? We're the victims. We're the victims. Because how dare those Democrats actually acknowledge that this happened? Okay, so this next clip is very subtle, but I am I picked up on it because I just am waiting, waiting for the day they say, you know what? Trump didn't win the election in, in 2020. He just, he didn't win it. He didn't, he didn't win it. You'd think they could say that. They, they have not said that. They are no longer um, brazenly saying that the election was stolen because they're being sued by Dominion voting si systems for like a billion dollars. And I'm not kidding on a billion dollars. It's like a billion dollars. So they, they have a really bizarre relationship with the election of 2020. Like they'll insinuate um, they won't be come right out and say the this, this stuff that Trump says, but they also won't say, you know, Biden won fair and square. Just Biden won. We, we, there's evidence that Biden won. There's no evidence that Trump won. They don't say that. But so listen to this clip because Martha McCallum kind of lets lets it out a little bit. 
um, to try to clarify some of these things, because that is the point that was made both by Liz Cheney and by Benny Thompson, that this is the first time in the history of the country that we've seen a president try to halt the process of moving from the president who was in office to the president who has been elected. She just said it. The president that's been elected. The president that's been elected. Elected as in elected. That means Biden was elected. They finally said it. They have never said that in all, like this is the 10th one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They didn't say that. They just avoid talking about it. They'll talk about everything else, but they will not say that Trump didn't win. They'll just, oh, Trump said he didn't win, but they'll never say, you know, actually he didn't win. They'll never say that. So that was like a a baby step towards accepting reality, a a baby step towards acceptance, really, which is a big um, milestone for a lot of people. So this next clip is also a little bit of a little slight bit of shade, I think. Chad Pergram is one of the more legit reporters on the network. They do have a handful of them and he doesn't mess around. And I thought this was a very interesting, he kind of reads copy to very robotically, like he doesn't show a lot of emotion. So he'll just sort of stand there, look at the camera and read the copy like this with a deep voice. And he just says the copy and that's the copy and that's the news. There's no emotion. So I found this very interesting that this was his choice of words because I think the network is slowly but surely trying to pull away a little bit more from Trump. And being this was just overt criticism of the Republican Party in this one, which, you know, was a little bold for Fox, I thought. Republicans next year have said, we're going to call in Anthony Fauci. We're going to call in Alejandro Mayorkas. We want them to comply with subpoenas. And these members, including McCarthy and Jim Jordan, who's going to be central to those investigations, never complied with. So, yes, that is a rare moment of a Fox News reporter being openly critical of Republicans. And you notice he he mentions uh, Representative Nancy Mace, who they've actually been featuring quite a bit on Fox lately, which also she's more of a moderate. This also might be a sign of how Murdoch is trying to steer the network kind of away from the crazy. It's hard to know. Like, we're always reading tea leaves with this this network. Like, because they kind of go back and forth a little bit with Trump, and we have seen signs that they're moving further away from Trump, but it's hard to know. Because, you know, one little thing will happen, and they'll snap, they'll snap right back. And it's like, oh, poor Trump, poor Trump. So this next one is how it's mostly... Martha McCallum is in it, but it's mostly the voices you're going to hear are Jonathan Turley and Annie McCarthy, both of whom are lawyers. Annie McCarthy is a former federal prosecutor. And McCarthy comes up with some crazy theories sometimes. Uh, Turley's all over the place. So this is how they think the Department of Justice is going to handle these referrals. But if I were defense counsel for President Trump, my eyes would still remain fixed on Mar-a-Lago. I, I just don't see this as, a, as, as much of a threat of something that could be actually defended uh, at trial or on appeal. The Department of Justice could ultimately just reject this and uh, really contradict the claims of many that the criminal conduct here is obvious. It's not obvious. 
uh, that this committee again promised that there would be new evidence being displayed today. The Justice Department, Jonathan mentioned that this is not binding and, you know, the Justice Department could reject it. Uh, my sense is the Justice Department will ignore it, which is what the Justice Department generally does when Congress grandstands in this fashion. As a criminal defense attorney, I was really struck at how weak this was. The department will do what it will do regardless of this referral. What we've always said on... I think in many ways they would be best to sort of ignore, even to say, you know, we thank you for your referral um, and we appreciate your right to make a referral, Congress, but we are keeping that separate from the investigation which we've had going on. I don't think there's any indication, John, that the Justice Department, even if they were to make their own decision. It will not be influenced by what happened with this committee. It'll be their own decision. Even if they made their own decision, say, to indict Trump for obstructing Congress, mm -hmm. they're not going to invoke that statute to try to disqualify him. The Justice Department has prosecuted like, upwards of 800 people, and they haven't alleged that Trump is a co-conspirator. They have not brought a single insurrection case against anybody who's been prosecuted. But it's, it's such an academic question. Again, the Justice Department has prosecuted upwards of 800 people, people who actually committed violence at the Capitol, and they haven't charged a single person with insurrection. McCarthy's been making that argument since day one of the committee hearings. And I find it kind of strange because he's arguing that these very low-level people who may have just trespassed, some of them, were unable to argue that basically Trump was their co-conspirator and therefore Trump will not be found guilty of anything. It's basically what he's saying. And he's also saying, well, none of these low-level people were convicted of insurrection and or even charged with insurrection. Okay, we're dealing with this scenario. You've got a king, which is basically Trump, and then you have peasants, which are the people who stormed the Capitol. Why on earth would legally those two different, you know, statuses face the same types of laws and punishments? Of course they would not. Because one person is way up high telling the other people what to do or influencing them, encouraging them. And I believe they found lots of evidence that connects Trump to other people down the chain. Of course they have. So why on earth would, you know, Joe Schmo from Illinois, who was angry and had a, you know, MAGA t-shirt with a Q on it, going to be charged the same way as the person at the very top of this conspiracy? <laughs> They're not. So that is a very weak argument. And I, he just keeps making it. He said that over and over and over again. Um, so this next bit is I took the entire thing. I didn't include all of it in the newsletter because it would just be too much. But for the podcast, let's go there. Let's do this. I took the entire 36 minutes and I condensed it down to two minutes. And you'll hear, and this is why I lined it up the way I did, repetition. Um, one of the ways that Fox is really good at using propaganda and manipulating people is they just say the same thing over and over and over and over again. They'll show the same clip, the same like media clip on Fox and Friends, The Five, Tucker Carlson, Hannity, Ingram. 
the exact same 30 seconds, one minute, whatever it is. It's a crime story, somebody acting crazy, um, you know, AOC doing something they think is embarrassing. And they'll show that same clip over and over and over and over again. And studies have shown that people who watch Fox will keep it on all day long. And if your loved one or family member is a Fox fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They don't turn the channel. And if you dare turn the channel, they freak out. So this is a good example of how they drive these ideas and themes into the minds of a typical Fox viewer. Because you're going to hear a lot of repetition in this. There was no rebuttal really uh, whatsoever. And we've talked about this before, like a very one-sided, politically motivated uh, action. Well, the committee really did destroy its own credibility in how it proceeded. So uh, members effectively appointed by the opposing party, they could have allowed for uh, more witnesses to give opposing views, alternative views or interpretations. In connection with Trump's speech, he took pains in the speech uh, to say that, you know, he wanted them to march peacefully. The fact that the committee doesn't broadcast that he said that doesn't make that go yeah. away. So I included all of those because those are all old grievances that they have said hearing after hearing after hearing after hearing. Exact same script. Almost verbatim, really. So Republicans take control of the House of Representatives in January, and so this was all going to go away. We'll get Momentum will quickly change as of January the 3rd when the Republicans take over the gavel and the chairmanship of the committees, and they start investigating Hunter Biden. They'll investigate, uh, I'm sure, the FBI's involvement with Twitter, origins of COVID, and uh, many other uh, issues that they believe are important to get to the bottom of. Congress will be turning over in just a little uh, more than a couple of weeks. But at the same time, special counsel Jack Smith will quietly continue to do his work. Do you think Jack Smith may be inclined to take a look at this? That's why we have a special counsel now who is the effort being to kind of keep this at a political arm's length from them. There's a lot of suggestions about whether or not this uh, individual Jack Smith w will be completely apolitical. So what's really wacky about that is, you know, they just get done with saying, oh, the Department of Justice is going to ignore it. They won't care. They'll see this as like, you know, political manipulation and bravado, and they will completely ignore this. This is nothing they want to touch. But then when there's a special counsel who's dedicated solely to investigating Trump and these many scandals and, and criminal investigations. So, okay, what what are you doing there? And you know they're going to turn Jack Smith into this like evil, you know, mastermind because that's what they do. But there you go. I think they just had to say his name a bunch of times to like drill it into their audience. Who who's the new villain? Act is a good way of putting it, Sandra, because it's theater. We're going to see if they will finally produce real direct evidence of a criminal conspiracy or whether this is a performative act. So, you know, again, this is a theatrical exercise more than, you know, a real hearing process. The needle hasn't moved. Uh, despite this focus of the J6 committee, these highly produced videos, uh, the repetition, the, the reading from these prompters, the producer they brought in, it, it really is singing to the choir. I could go back to day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And if I look through my archives, I could find clips that are almost identical to what I just played you. They have not changed their playbook. They are just repeating, 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 drilling this in to their listeners. 
it's I've used this example before. It's like when Sean Hannity says the um, climist alarmist religious cult. He says it the exact same way every time. And he'll say that six, seven, eight times in an episode. I'm not, I mean, just slip it in, slip it in, slip it in, slip it in. And it's a way of drilling in his message so that your, you know, Uncle Buck or your grandmother or your neighbor down the hall will say, well, you know, that climate alarmist religious cult. You're in a cult. It's a religious cult. That's where they're getting it from. And it's messaging. It's like marketing. It's like advertising. And Fox is unfortunately very, very good at it. Speaking of repetition, I added this at the last minute because I think this is a great example of this. It's mostly uh, Fox News anchor John Roberts who keeps saying almost the exact same phrasing. And he did this over and over and over again in a very uh, short clip, about 20 minutes, where other people were talking which made it more apparent that he was doing this. And then Chad Pergam also picks this up, which is another technique on Fox. You'll see multiple anchors say the exact same thing over and over again. So this is an excellent example of that repetition that I was talking about. Here you go. You could, you could uh, interpret what he didn't say there as, as being, as long as Donald Trump is a candidate for president of the United States, that threat is still out there. Would a Democratic White House really seek to prevent a former Republican president from seeking public office ever again? That this was all about trying to keep former President Trump out of the White House. Now, what is a Democratic run Department of Justice to prevent a former Republican president from trying to run for a second term Mm -hmm. would would really be uh, political dynamite. And something that President Trump could exploit uh, all the while yeah. he is running for president again. I'm, I'm on his truth social. He hasn't talked about this just yet. But but just speak to that real quick before we, we leave you. That a Democratic White House, yeah, Democratic White House preventing a former Republican president from running for office. Yeah, I, I mean, think about the quote. Uh, former President Donald Trump. That would be a democratically run Department of Justice seeking to prevent a former president uh, who was a Republican from ever seeking public office again? That that seems on the surface to be very fraught politically. Those phrases are so similar; it almost sounds like I just repeated it four times or five times, but I didn't. Those are all separate instances, and those were broken up. And I realized I, I watched it twice, and that's when I caught it. And I was like, "It's almost Roberts isn't really saying he didn't really say anything else. He didn't say much of anything else. He just kept repeating it." Which makes me think that somebody at Fox News gives him a talking point and says, push this. But I don't know. It could be that he just spontaneously likes to repeat himself a lot. But since I've seen this pattern so many times on the network, I think that there's a voice from above that says, say this, push this, emphasize this. Because it's just a little too uncanny. Now, PBS, I did a word count. I didn't compare... um, PBS to Fox because PBS had much shorter coverage, and that would have just been silly. Um, PBS, of course, had a completely different tone. Um, The word count before I get into PBS was pretty unexpected. They said Trump 30 times, criminal 26, Department of Justice 22 times, political 12. Meanwhile, mob, the word mob was only used once, weaponized once, partisan twice, um, opposing twice, Pence only made it twice, riot nine times, election nine times, insurrection nine times. So 
Not anything too shocking. I couldn't compare it to PBS because PBS only did 17 minutes worth of coverage and it was just totally unbalanced. So the PBS, uh, they only had like 10 minutes after it was over. They they have used the same people for these um, January 6th committee hearings. Um, not every time, but they've used this this following panel quite often. And this panel would be Judy Woodruff, Lisa Desjardins, they're both at PBS NewsHour, Mary McCord, and she's a former Justice Department official, which is sort of perfect for this. And she's the director of Georgetown University Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. And then they had a Republican, Jamil Jafar, a law professor from George Mason University, and he used to work as an associate counsel for President George W. Bush. Now, I just have three quotes. They're all nice and short from PBS, but I just wanted to play them to show you how different the coverage was. It was like night and day. It was, it always has been. With all of the January 6th uh, committee hearings, going back and forth between these two networks has been like a totally different experience. You wouldn't even think they watched the same thing. (laughs) It's that radically different. So here's the first quote, and this is from Jamil Jafar. Uh, the lawyer who is a Republican. It absolutely is historic. I mean, the idea of a committee of the House uh, voting to recommend criminal charges against a former president of the United States for activities he conducted while president um, and many other and a number of others uh, to the Justice Department is, you know, shocking, uh, as were the events of that day. And- now, I mentioned Jafar's political affiliation because, as I've talked about before and why I picked PBS to compare to Fox is PBS goes out of its way to be straight down the middle, nonpartisan. And I've had people try to argue with me on that. Well, PBS will show a lot of artists and poets and dancers, and you could argue that that's liberal, whatever. I don't think it is. Um, It's just the arts. The arts are the arts. But when it comes to policy or any law or bill, PBS does a great job of they will have a Democrat come on and talk about it for eight minutes, and then they have a Republican come on and talk about it for eight minutes. Sometimes they'll do it on two different days. They'll have a Democrat come on a Monday, Republican talk about the same bill on a Tuesday. And um, they also don't do anything like, they don't do theatrics. Like they won't have a Republican and a Democrat come on and, and duke it out and scream at each other like other shows have done. So they do a really good job of that. I just wanted to point this out. And now Jafar's Political affiliation comes up in this next quote when he discusses, like, why the Republicans might want to rethink supporting Donald J. Trump at this point. Question for the Republican Party becomes, do you nominate a man who now all this evidence has been piled up demonstrating the role he played, the advice he got from other Republicans to not engage in this behavior? Do you nominate him as your party's candidate, my party's candidate, once again? This next quote is also from PBS. It's the last quote from PBS. It's Mary McCord, who used to work at the Department of Justice. So she's the perfect person to have on as a guest to talk about this. And I point that out because Fox will just have any lawyer, just kind of like how they have any doctor. They've had an ophthalmologist talk about COVID-19. And Jonathan Turley's on Fox pretty much every single day. So, (laughs) and he has some interesting theories. Some interesting theories. So anyway, here's Mary McCord. 
It is, and the Department of Justice, I think if I were there, what I'd be most eager to get my hands on is all of the evidence that the committee amassed, because obviously the department has its own ways of gathering evidence. Probably a lot of it is going to be, you know, repetitive, but I think there will be new materials there that they will have access to. And significantly, as uh, was mentioned during the hearing, you know, the 2383 insurrection charge, if, if that is brought, and I don't know that it will be, and if there is a conviction, that disqualifies former President Trump from holding public office. So she was kind of repeating what Roberts was, was saying, but like parallel universes, but in a, a very different way, instead of like the paranoid like way that Roberts was talking about it. So that was the final segment of the January 6th committee hearing. If you want to watch some clips, I put a bazillion of them on uh, Twitter tonight. I am trying to navigate Mastodon and post news. It's just very difficult to deal with the pace that I have to deal with. And now I have to post on three platforms. It's just very difficult. And I'm not sure even really how to use Mastodon yet. But I want to point out, because I posted it on Twitter, that Jeff Jarvis, the person who made this project possible, is made a lovely video for students at the Newmark J School, which is where I went to school, to show them how to use Mastodon because we're trying to push this now. The Twitter's going to a hellscape. Anyway, <laughs> as I laugh my head off, um, that's a whole other story. But thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to have the weekly podcast as usual tomorrow sometime. I don't know when. It's mostly finished. I was working on both of these today at the same time. Thank you so much for listening. My cats, Odin Sorosay, thank you. If you'd like to help out with a Patreon, you can do so with Decoding Fox News Patreon. Um, if you'd like to do the tip thing, there's a little dollar next to my name. Apparently, you have to have a certain kind of phone to do that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And somebody wants me to put these on Spotify now, so i got to figure that out. <laughs> Again, I'm laughing to keep from crying. I'm a little delirious. But thank you so much for listening. I will see you at the next podcast. Hey.